Amen. If you are new here, my name is Greg. I'm the campus pastor here at Shadow Hills downtown. And we, we do want to encourage you to be a part of the Trunk or Treat. Um, an idea, because we like to be weird down here too, Rebecca. It's not just you. Um, we, we did have an idea. Uh, one of our members here uh, works for a funeral home. And so we're trying to get it passed to see if we could bring an actual coffin. But <laughs> Cowie said no. You probably would have said yes, wouldn't you? I should have asked you, no? But be, come be a part of it. Uh, we're excited about that. It is a great way to reach the community and even kind of redeem uh, the day that we're um, observing, right? And so this morning we are continuing. We have two more weeks left, this Sunday and next Sunday, of our Kingdom of Heaven series of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and what this series really is, is Jesus ushering in the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 4, he goes around and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he begins to invite people into the kingdom of heaven. He, he begins to go and says, this kingdom is for the broken. This kingdom is for those that are hurting. For those that are seeking righteousness and justice. This is a kingdom for you. And we want you to be a part of that. And then he goes through the Beatitudes declaring that statement. And then he goes into the, how the kingdom of heaven, how we as a church are meant to be salt and light, where we're preserving the good in the world, but also revealing the light of Christ. And then we go into this heart of the matter when he goes into the sixth antithesis of how to not only not murder, right, but how do you not even have hate on your heart? And everything changes from an action-based righteousness into a heart transformation where Jesus declares you as righteous because he is righteous. And so today, we lead up to this treasure because you can't have a kingdom, right, without some treasure behind it. You can't have a kingdom without some backing to it. And something that we could get mixed up is when we hear the word treasure is that we instantly think of money and wealth. We start to think of, of pirates maybe even searching for buried treasure and you're going around looking for all these treasure. You think of Johnny Depp. Uh, don't think of Johnny Depp uh, right now. Um, but, but we start to think about a, a leprechaun looking for his treasure at the end of the rainbow. And, and you, when you see a rainbow, you're like, I wonder if there is a pot of gold over there. But we think of this wealth. We think of treasure. We think of money when we think of this word. But church, treasure means so much more. The idea of treasure is far bigger than wealth or money. And it doesn't have to be just about Fort Knox, does it? But the idea of treasure has to deal more with what we truly hold valuable and meaningful. We ask the question of what are we filling our storehouses with? What are you filling your heart with? And when you reveal that to yourself, when you're honest with yourself, you'll kind of know where you value things, where your treasure is. And it kind of makes me think of Joseph in the book of Genesis. When, when God had just continued to bring him up in the ranks despite how low he would be at times in prison, in slavery. But God continued to build him up until he was the second man of all of Egypt. Only the king was above him. The king gave him so much authority to rule over the land. And what 
What God gave Joseph was a vision of wisdom and what was happening. And there was about to be a big famine that struck that whole region. And so Joseph began collecting food and resources and storing them up in storehouses so that through this great famine, people would still not have a need. That God would still supply the very needs that they need. And the storehouses were overwhelmingly full of food and resources. And those themselves became a type of treasure. And now in the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to usher in a new kingdom. A new kingdom where he's flipping it upside down and he tells us that we need to start valuing treasures that have nothing to do with earthly kingdoms or earthly wealth. We don't need to take the storehouses of the world and fill them up. But instead, we need to build the storehouses of our heart with Jesus. With things that have eternal value. We don't need to worry about our bank account. We don't need to worry about our houses or the things that we own, but we need to worry about eternal treasures. And we need to value the kingdom treasures that hold eternal value and not treasures that will wither away or ruin or disappear. You see, when I desire worldly riches, I make an empty investment. When I desire worldly riches, I make an empty investment. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And I want us to think about, think about what occupies your heart this morning. This is going to be a very reflective uh, sermon today where, where I'm going to ask you to really think deeply about what is in your heart and be honest with yourself. What are the things that occupy your heart? What are the things that make you anxious? The things that make you worry? Is it work? Is it school? Is it trying to maintain a certain lifestyle? Is it the worry and the fear of living paycheck to paycheck and the thought about storing up treasures is kind of funny to you? Is it an addiction that you're wrestling with? What is it that is occupying the storehouse of your heart that is not allowing Jesus to be the king of? Write that down in your notes. Be honest with yourself. What is it that you are storing up in your heart that has taken the place of heavenly treasures? But something that we have to start doing is we have to start unloading those things that occupy the storehouses of our heart. That we need to listen to what Jesus tells us those things will do. Let's look back at the verse. Jesus tells us when we store up things that are rotten, that will wither away, they will ruin our heart. They will ruin our heart when we store up these treasures that are earthly. They will break in and they will rob you of joy. They will rob you of joy if you store up earthly treasures in heaven. 
We need to unload those burdens and take them away from our heart because they're taken away from our eternal investment. Because look at what that will do when I desire kingdom treasures. I make eternal investments. When I desire kingdom treasures, I make eternal investments. Matthew 6.20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Ask yourself this question. What are the things with eternal value? What are those things with eternal value? When I think of things that have eternal value, the first two things that come to mind are the things I think that are going to be in heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And that's Jesus and people. Jesus and people have eternal value. You see, it's not things that we need items, right? It's not the things, the items that we need to make investments in. It's Jesus. It's God's creation. It's his people. These are the things that we need to make eternal investments in. That we need to start treasuring Jesus and people. If we invest in Jesus and people, then we will see eternal rewards. Real quick, I want to ask you a question. I want you to write it down. because I don't want you to answer out loud because some of you are probably really weird and interesting. I asked this question when I was a youth pastor, and you get some awesome, awesome answers. Um, when I say heaven... What is it that comes to mind? When I say heaven, what comes to mind? When I asked high schoolers this, I asked high schoolers this like 15, 20 years ago, and I'll never forget this answer. One of them said, man, I think heaven is going to be having in and out on the beach. <laughs> I was like, that, you know, that, that, might be, that might be heaven for me too. I don't know. But what it reveals when we ask ourselves that, when we answer that question, it kind of reveals what we're investing in, what we're hoping for, right? Ask yourself that question, what comes to mind when I think of heaven? For me, I don't know if it's as I've gotten older, but my mind goes to being with Jesus and to being with fellow brother and sister Christians forever. My mind goes to, I get to literally spend eternity with my bride. My mind goes to, no matter what, death cannot separate me. And one day, I will see my grandmother and my grandfather once again. And it's amazing because they made eternal investments into me. And I get to go, and they get to see the work of their investment. That Jesus invested into them and that they gave an investment then to their grandkid and those around them. That I would be with them forever because of Jesus and because of them. And those are the things we need to value. Jesus and people, those are our treasures. Think about the people in your life. And this is where the tension lies, right? Because there's some people you want to be with eternity with. And then there's some people you're like, ah, but Jesus wants everybody to know and to have access to this kingdom of heaven. Everybody's invited. 
We need to accept the invitation, right? We need to, to get to receive what he's offering us so freely. So who is it that you need to start making that internal, eternal investment in? It might even be yourself today. That you would receive this eternal deposit in the storehouse of your heart that's made by Jesus himself that nobody could ever take away. Maybe you need to receive that eternal investment today. And that'll be there forever. That'll be there forever in your storehouse is Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit. And that who is that that you need to make an internal, eternal investment in today? That you would receive that, but that's the thing. With Joseph in Genesis, he didn't just store up these storehouses, but when people had a need, he gave generously so that people would continue to live and be cared for. And so for us, when we receive this eternal investment, this deposit that Jesus makes in our life, when we receive it from him, sometimes we just want to hold on to it in our storehouse. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to fill your storehouse up to where it's overflowing. You don't need to worry about that. Take that investment and go share it with somebody else. Take the wealth of grace that I'm giving you and go offer it to somebody else. We all have that someone in our life. We all have those people in our life. So ask yourself, who needs to know about this grace? And how are you going to give that to them? How are you going to offer it to them? How are you going to share this wealth with them? Because those are the eternal investments that God is asking us to give. And he says that when we make eternal investments, we will reap eternal rewards. The way we view heaven often reveals the heart's true desire. Our hearts reveal what we treasure. Our hearts reveal what we treasure. Because sometimes we could kind of try to lie about what we treasure and what we value and what we honor and what we hope for. But really when you look at the intent and you look at the actions and you look at the way people live, that's when you know and understand what they really are hoping for. That's when you understand the heart's true desire. Is it to satisfy myself, my wants, my desires? Or is it to love and to give just as Jesus gave to us? Matthew 6, 21 through 23, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to underline that. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What our hearts desire is what we want to be fed into our souls and it will be what we chase after. And this is simply the truth, no matter where we're at. What our hearts desire is what our, our energy, our time, 
are going to go after. And we see the warning that Jesus gives us about that, don't we? That if the lamp of our body is desiring worldly things, they really have no value. That'll eventually ruin us. That will cause decay in our heart and our soul. That'll cause that separation. That'll cause our hearts to be robbed of joy and of love. And Jesus is so good that he warns us about it. He says, don't. Don't do that. Not because I'm robbing you of anything, but because I'm giving you everything. And when you desire that, it's going to take away from what I've given you. So trust that I'm going to overflow your storehouses. I'm going to be so generous. I'm going to be so gracious. I'm going to be so giving that trust in me. He isn't asking us to turn on the light either. He's giving us the light so that we can see heavenly things that hold eternal value. Jesus, being the light himself, gives himself to us, revealing and lighting our eyes so that we can see clearly. So that we can see clearly heavenly treasures that are at hand. And those heavenly treasures, once again, Jesus and people. He's asking us to love both, just as he loved us. But first things first, you have to receive that light. You have to receive that light that Jesus is giving. And if you don't, your mind, your eye is going to be dark. It's going to be full of darkness. But when we have the light of Christ, our eyes are opened. We are made new. We are made whole. And lastly, our hearts reveal who we serve. Our hearts reveal who we truly serve. Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Anybody ever have tension with that? It's hard. And Jesus is saying once again that this isn't an actions-based thing. He is changing the heart, right? He's asking us to make our heart a storehouse filled with him and his grace. And for these verses, this last verse, you cannot serve God and money, this verse is often taken out of context and used to say that money is evil, right? Is money evil? We're evil. (laughs) Money itself is not evil. It's not the money that's evil. It's the value and the power our hearts put into that money. And that's what makes it evil. It's not the item itself. Because the item itself can be very good, right? It could go to help others. It It could go to sustain needs. It could go to further the kingdom of God, or it could go to anxiousness, it could go to worry, it could go to greed, 
where this is mine and this is my treasure and you can't have any of it. Where you can't tell me to do, you can't tell me what to do with my money. This is mine. I heard this quote once. It said, money doesn't have owners, only spenders. It's true. We, and, and God gives us these, these resources not to own them, not for them to own us, but for us to steward them for the kingdom of God. And money can't have good or bad, right? Money can't have so much control of our heart that at the sound of the word budget, you get anxious and worried. And that's something I struggle with. Growing up poor, it makes you worry automatically when you hear this word budget. You're like, oh no, don't we, we don't have enough. But it also can't overwhelm you with joy that I need to get more and more and more of money, right? God is giving us just as we need. And he is asking us to steward that well. And he is entrusting us with this gift. And money is not evil. But the intrinsic value and power that we give any item, not even money, is what makes us Our hearts turn away from God. Money is not evil, and we can't serve both, right? But if we serve God, then we can use and steward the resources that he gives us in a very generous way where our needs will also be taken care of. We can only serve one thing. So the question The question is, what is the one thing that you are serving? Is it eternal or will it wither away? Are you making an eternal investment? Are you making a worldly investment? And Jesus is showing us that there is eternal value in the kingdom of heaven. And he is inviting us to receive an eternal investment that he wants to pay on our behalf that lasts forever. And the question I have for you today is, will you receive that? Will you receive that eternal investment? And will you return that investment that Jesus made for you and invest it into other people and invest it to furthering the kingdom of heaven? I'm going to invite the band back up this morning and, and we're going to respond by worshiping. We're going to respond by worshiping because Jesus is so generous that he has given us all that we need. We're going to respond by receiving that eternal investment. And if you're someone that is receiving that for the very first time this morning, come forward. Come forward and receive that. We want to pray with you and walk with you in that. And if you're someone that just needs to repent from how you've been investing, if you've been investing in in the worldly matters and you want to start investing in heavenly matters, come forward. We want to pray with you. Jesus doesn't want you to sit in shame. He wants you to draw closer to him. So this morning, stand with me and let us have a heart to receive the generosity of Jesus. Let's pray.